Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. Back this week and every Thursday to round up the best of Bailiwick Sport. Coming up, we'll look back at how Griffins have started their European Cricket League adventure down in sunny Spain. We'll also reflect on the latest from Guernsey Hockey as Panthers claim their first league title in 14 years. And we'll talk rugby as Guernsey Raiders look to build on their latest win at Footslane and the Raiders women celebrate their first league victory in almost four months. Uh, I'm Tony Kerr with me today. Today is Gareth the Prevo. Great to see you, Gareth. Hello, you Tony. And, and you, Tony. It's good to see you looking so bronzed. Slightly. <laughs> yeah, I've been away for a few days, uh, enjoying some sun myself, which is uh, which is very nice after a few years without uh, you know, the proper warmth of somewhere. I was going to say, yeah, and you've come back to some stormy weather over here, so uh, <laughs> you're probably already wishing you were back in Barbados. Well, yeah, it does. Uh, yeah, fades quite quickly. Um, anyway, let's talk some sports, shall we? Um, because yeah, I'm not the only one who's been enjoying some sun, as I say. Uh, Griffins uh, down in Spain as we speak uh, in the midst uh, of their maiden um, appearance, Guernsey's first representatives as well at the European Cricket League, which brings together, uh, as we discussed on the pod, the league champions from a whole host of countries for six weeks of T10 competition, essentially the Champions League of European cricket, um, which is very much how it's billed. And the Guernsey side have gone pretty well so far, it's fair to say, winning three of their uh, round-robin games to finish in the top three. It means they're still very much in contention to earn a place in finals week. As we record, they've got one game to go um, on this Thursday, but whatever happens, um, they'll be in the mix on the uh, finals Fridays, I think it's called. Um, Well, a little earlier on, um, their team manager, Rob Thompson, uh, sent a voice note to fill us in on how they've been getting on. We're just having the absolute best time out here, to be honest. The weather's absolutely incredible. The facilities are just really first class. The whole thing is organised just impeccably. Um, they're, they're long days. It's so full on and so intense. There's just constantly something going on. Um, but yeah, we're just soaking it up. We're having having the best time, as I say. We're really happy with how it's it's gone on the field. We obviously started the week with that massive win against the Irish Champions Brigade. Got a couple of other wins along the way, a couple of defeats. Um, very much a case of, of trying to get to grips with the format. We got hit out of a couple of games by by the Norwegian and the Hungarian side, so you can, as, as everyone probably saw, smack a ball a long way. So it's a case of constantly learning for us, really, as we get into the second half of the week. But we're re- really happy. The, the plan was to get into that top three at the end of the first set of round-robin games, and, and that's exactly what we did. It means that Super Thursday for us is another set of round-robin games against the other two teams that finished in the top three. That then determines who and when we play on the finals day so we know we're in action on finals day which is great there'll be two sides eliminated from the competition on on thursday so four teams left going into the friday with with a chance of winning the competition or winning the group we all really really appreciate all the support that we've had whilst we've been out here um whenever we play as soon as we get off the pitch that the phones have just gone mad whilst we've been out there from everybody following along with it um, and, and just, just giving us so much support and that's so appreciated by, by all the lads. So a massive thanks to everybody. Please keep it coming for the last couple of days and we'll try and continue to do everyone proud. Rob Thompson, uh, Griffin's team manager there. Uh, they certainly seem to be enjoying the experience. Hopefully uh, focus on the cricket, not too much on what's going on back at the hotel. Um, and it's been great viewing, hasn't it, from back here as well. Um, yeah, amazing uh, kind of level of sort of broadcast quality um, in terms of the stream. Um, yeah, what have you made of uh, what you've seen so far, Gareth? Well, yeah, I totally agree, Tony. The, um, 
the production of the actual sort of the whole tournament and the live stream is fantastic. It's, it is like watching international cricket. Um, the the format is still taking some sort of getting used to. I, I, I honestly believe watching sort of like the quality of the sides I've seen. If Griffins were playing the same sides in 50-over tournaments, they'd probably win eight or nine games out of ten. Um, in this format, they're sort of obviously striking at about 60%, sort of they've won three out of five and what have you. Um, that is just purely the nature of the game. And it, I mean, this morning watching um, the Royal Tigers opening batsman who absolutely mullered the ball miles. I mean, it was, but it was just proper like baseball hitting. It was just stand and deliver. And um, poor Luke Bishard, who's, who's one of our top bowlers in the island, he, he sort of like kept putting it on a length and it just kept disappearing. Um, and that's the sort of the nature of the game. And uh, Griffins are perhaps more suited to building in innings. And so they haven't really got huge hitters as such. I mean, obviously, Luke Letitia, is, um, he's a very quick scorer and he's been putting his reverse sweeps to good use this week. Um, but other than that, they haven't really got guys who clear the ropes that often. Um, I think Jason Martin's batted really well. Jordan Martel's popped up with some really good innings as well. Um, but yeah, the, the T10 format is is certainly exciting and it's certainly sort of unpredictable as well. Uh, as one of the commentators there, they, he called it a volatile format and I think that's a really good word for it. It's just, you think you've done quite well and the game can go away from you in about three or four balls and it's almost a case of singles. There's no point in actually knocking singles, it seems, unless it is to get someone back on strike because you might as well swing from the hip almost every ball. And Griffin's found out after scoring 130-odd in one game, which is a heck of a total in 10-over cricket, um, when Luke Lissier scored 70-odd uh, not out, in the next game they're all out for 70 because you're coming to the wicket and you can't build an innings and you can't rebuild if there's been a sort of like a bit of a struggle early on. You have to go for it from the off. So it it does make it very entertaining. And um, I think Griffins are learning at the time. But I'm, I must say, I think um, I'm a bit old-fashioned and I think the, the Yorker should come back into play a bit more <laughs> often because I think it would actually solve a few problems. If you can execute the perfect Yorker and basically pitch it on a batsman's toe, I think you're in with a very good shout of winning these matches because, <laughs> because some guys just must swing themselves off their feet. It's, it's quite funny to watch sometimes. Well, it's a good job probably that our esteemed colleague Rob is retiring now. He's probably retiring at the right time because he'd be absolutely furious at the thought of having to, to subject himself to watching this T10 cricket. Exactly. All these coloured clothings and white balls. I mean, they've, they've been in cricket for a long time now, but still there'll be some traditionalists who think this isn't really quite how cricket was intended, but it, it's certainly been very entertaining. And uh, like Rob Thompson said in his thing there, it is very intense. I mean, I, I mean, Luke Letitia doesn't actually captain Griffins on a regular basis. He's taken over while Tom Kirk can't um, go to the, the tournament. But being a captain must be really, it must be quite stressful in T10 because you, you, you have to be on your toes all the time. And uh, yeah, it, it's certainly a, a, a very, very frantic format of the game. Um, and I mean, they they play what about five games a day, on, sort of like constantly on the go, and it, it just really is a full-on week, obviously. Um, but I'm sure it is is um, great fun as well to be part of. You you almost need to not take it too seriously because it could get you down quite quickly as you see the ball disappearing out of the out of the ground. But um, also just 
winning games in that format is is obviously a bit of an art form, I think, in its own way. And uh, yeah, it has been. It's been a good watch so far. You mentioned some of the players that have stood out so far. Luke Letizier with some a couple of big knocks. Um, we've seen some great skills on show as well behind the stumps. Well, Jason Martin with runs, but uh, yeah, you've uh, really enjoyed his wicket keeping. Yeah, it's um, it, it's just great. I'm I'm a great admirer of people who can stand up to the stumps to sort of medium to sort of medium fast bowling and make it look so easy. That's what Jason does. I mean, the other day, um, I actually sort of put a tweet out after he had taken this stumping, which, I mean, there was, there's almost no chance of that stumping being given in Guernsey cricket because we don't have the, the live streaming. And they're using the cameras over there to go to, like, the DRS system. And he took this stumping the other day, and, I mean, the batsman was only millimetres out. And there's no way by the naked eye you could tell that was out, apart from the fact that Jason in typical wicketkeeper fashion, knew it was out and he was celebrating straight away, but they had to go and, and they showed how close it was. But they, he also took um, one, a ball down leg side, which no other wicketkeeper in that tournament that I've seen so far would have any chance of getting. And he did it so nonchalantly. It's sort of like, it's, it's, it's such a difficult skill. I mean, I've, I've tried to do it a couple of times in my career and wicketkeeping is very much, you're either a natural at it or you're not. And Jason, he works really hard at it, but he's also a natural as well. And, I mean, it's all very well watching guys hit it miles out the ground, but I, I just really enjoyed watching Jason behind the stumps. It was fantastic. Yeah, and I guess as well for Guernsey's top cricketers, you know, in some ways you look at this and it, it looks like a, a little bit of fun. Um, you, know, you know, the sort of the, the sponsors that are involved, it's all, yeah, it's all kind of, uh, I don't know, it's all very new and fresh and... Um, but presumably for our top cricketers, having not had um, much exposure to, to sort of outside competition for so long, this is going to be a great learning experience. You mentioned Luke Bishard there, who's a, a young player who's really only come into the island scene um, sort of during the pandemic. So hasn't really had the opportunity to play, um, you know, to play too much kind of sort of top level island cricket, if you like. Um, but yeah, it, it must be a great learning experience for, for all of them. Well, yeah, and certainly for Luke Bishard, it's, it's, one, it's a bit of a strange thing with this format that... Um, Good bowling doesn't necessarily go respected. I mean, he he actually, you watch him bowl, I watched him bowl this morning, and he didn't bowl bad balls, but he bowled balls that guys could hit out the ground. And so you've, you've got to, it's, it's, a, it's a, almost like a harsh learning curve for him over there, but he'll be learning that he, he needs to get a bit more variety, perhaps in his bowling. Like I say, the, the Yorker is still a good ball. I mean, you don't want to bowl at every single delivery because, I mean, you'll soon get picked up, but... Um, just having those variations is a really important um, skill for a bowler these days, especially nowadays. In I mean, for Guernsey go to tournaments, which are basically T20 a lot of the time now. So you're always going to be facing batsmen who are going to be getting on with it. And um, just to be able to pose different problems for them is very, very important. And so guys like him, uh, Adam Martell, who's sort of now back in the island fold because the way his left arm spinners come on, um, it's obviously a bit more difficult for the spinners out in Spain at the moment because they're playing on a mat and you don't get the turn off the mat and it it comes onto the bat um, that much quicker. So it's easier for batsmen to get hold of you. Um, But yeah, like you say, Tony, you will be learning new skills. Um, It's very much um, something which you almost hope that these guys come back and look back at the footage. The footage is out out there to see, you know, um, and they can learn from where guys pick up um, length and line. Because if you cramp a batsman, you've got less chance of um, hitting, uh, being hit for for sixes. Um, So there's an awful lot for them to learn while having fun as well. That's, that, is, that is the big thing with this T10 format. You, 
if you take it too seriously, you won't be playing for very long, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure uh, Guernsey coach Lee Savadin and the, the rest of the sort of Guernsey uh, Island setup we're watching very closely. And well, it certainly suits uh, certain players. I know it wouldn't have suited me in my heyday because I wasn't one who got on with it very quickly and my bowling would disappear out the ground for sure. But um, I, I've, I've enjoyed watching Luke um, uh, have a bat out there. He, I mean, he's certainly impressed the, the commentators. The commentators are doing a very good job, but... Um, they they picked up very early on in sort of like having scored two fifties in his first two knocks that he was the Griffin's main man and if he disappears early in the piece in a T10 um, they struggle to perhaps post as good a score as they can um, but yeah it's 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 been it's been really good to be able to watch it um, and yeah hopefully Griffin's come back having learnt a lot and um, they'll develop their shorter uh, format of the game. Um, quite rapidly, I think, having been involved in, in this sort of tournament. Yeah, well, they're certainly representing Guernsey well at the moment. Um, I know they, they lost Ben Fitchett before the plane had even taken yeah, off. Poor bloke. I bet he has fingers crossed that they they reach a championship week, so he does get a chance to go and play in it. But uh, yeah. actually, I think Ben would have made a big difference, actually. If he'd have been opening with um, with Luke at the top of the order, um, he's certainly capable of clearing the ropes as well. Um, my old schoolmate Damien Wallen's been opening the batting quite a lot this week, and it's, it's great to see him enjoying himself. He's he's not one to hold back. Um, that's the one other thing about this format is the nature of it makes you think you need to hit it hard, but you actually need to hit the ball well. It's it's, it's very different things really, um, and I think as Jordan Martel showed in his sort of like in his match-winning knock um, when he uh, made thirty odd not out the other day. Um, it's all about timing the ball and if you need to keep your shape when you're batting in that because if you do try and swing from the hip and you're not sort of that type of player you'll end up basically clothing it nowhere so you, you really need to it's all down to timing rather than actual <laughs> bat speed really that was where I was going wrong last summer I think <laughs> exactly <laughs> um, well as we say they've got one more game today Thursday um, as we record they'll be uh, I suppose just heading out for the toss in that one um, and then all to play for on Friday so we're, we'll keep a close eye on that uh, as you say a very intense Tense week. I know they've been sort of probably uh, keeping themselves patched up and, and, and nursing all kind of uh, niggles and injuries. It's, it's a funny, it's sort of the vagaries of this format that you can actually, you play the whole round robin of the six teams and you can finish bottom of that having not won a game and yet you can still go on and win the, win the week because if you win every game you play on Thursday and Friday, you've won the tournament, you've won, <laughs> you've won the group. So there you go. They could still come out on top quite easily. Yeah, all to play for, I'm sure, uh, more reaction to Griffin's um, Spanish adventure on the pod next Thursday. Uh, let's leave the cricket there then. Um, coming up in part two, we'll be talking hockey. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Sport Podcast. If you're enjoying the pod and you haven't already, do give us a rating or a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Um, and why not give us a share on social media while you're at it? It all helps to spread the word. Uh, hockey now, and it was certainly a weekend to remember for Panthers. Uh, they beat Indies in some style to be crowned Alliance Women's League champions for the first time since 2008. Uh, their captain, Karen Riga Vorster, uh, gave Gareth her reaction at full time. I think the build-up to today's game was just, um, we've obviously come off um, two amazing weekends of drawing to Puffins, who have obviously won the league so many times. Cubs also a really, really strong team. So I think we just wanted to take that momentum and bring it into today's game. And it's so lovely to have 16 girls that literally all want the same goal and we just play as a family. And you know, I'm literally absolutely thrilled. I'm like so buzzing. I've been so emotional the whole week. Um, just thinking about this is all I've done is think about this game. And yeah, we came out today and we literally gave 
you know, it was either person's game today. It was they're really, really strong side and, you know, you never know what's going to happen on the day, but the girls literally, we dug deep and, yeah, you know, we were only, I think, 1-0 up half time. So our second half performance at half time, we just said, last 35 minutes, let's see what we can do. So, yeah, it's... Um, it's just amazing. We haven't won the league since 2008. Oh, yeah, so um, it's been, I don't know how many years, 15 or maybe my maths isn't that good. But yeah, it's yeah. just incredible. How would you sort of think the key to success over the sort of course of the season has been? Um, so since I took over captaincy, I think like four years ago, we've just built up the team. So from then, we've just, every year, we've just built on. Last year, we finished third. So the key going into this season was obviously coming off the back of ending third last season. And um, yeah, from the outset, we just had some really, really strong performances. And I think the girls um, have just grown as a team over the last four years together. And we now know where each other plays and we've just gelled. And just today, the passing and, you know, the teamwork was just amazing. Right from defence all the way to the top. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if you're going to get the chance to play in an option, but hopefully you will yes, do. Yes, <laughs> well, that's the thing, yeah. So I'm absolutely buzzing. Like, love to take the girls on, girls on tour. And, you know, we've all 16 of us really put our hearts and souls into this so you know we would love to play in Upton and go and take us take us on tour to Jersey. <laughs> Karen Riga Vorster speaking to you there Gareth fantastic to hear uh, how much it meant to her and, and her team to be uh, league winners uh, clearly been some journey for them. Yeah they've um, they've certainly put a lot of work into just building a cohesive unit at Panthers uh, they're you can tell they're a very tight-knit group um, and yeah, Karen's been captain there now for four years and they, they have been getting better throughout that whole time. Um, last season they finished third and they were always very competitive, whoever they're playing against. But um, as well as sort of picking up a couple more players in recent times, you can tell the improvement in their individual players as well. Um, and there's, I'm a great believer in momentum in sport. And over the last few weeks, they've built the momentum. Um, they, they looked confident going out. Um, Funnily enough, in the, in the sort of like the title decider as it was, um, they were only one 0 up at half time, and sort of like as as is the reporters thing, you're sort of like thinking, oh, how's my headline going to go if they don't win the league here? Because I sort of turned up half expecting them to win, having built that momentum, and with only a one goal lead against a, a decent side in Indies who've got some decent firepower as well, I was thinking, oh, this this could yet um, not go Panthers' way. But the way they just they went up about three gears in the second half, it was quite amazing to watch, really. And um, yeah, it was it was like I put in my report. It was like a champion performance from a champion side, and they were thoroughly deserving of, of that victory and, and the league title in the end. Yeah, and I think I'm right in saying that's four different winners now in the last four years um, in the women's league. Is it as competitive as it's been for, for some time? I, I suppose that speaks for itself. But yeah, most uh, most of the sides, when if they get their full side out, um, most sides have at least sort of like three or four island players involved. So. Um, it, it, it's always very competitive in those games. Um, Panthers have sort of developed a, a nucleus of a side which is very strong down the spine. Um, they, they've added a couple of youngsters as well, which has certainly helped in just in improving their, their strength and depth. But um, yeah, that, that league is um, it's so hard to predict. I mean, if you looked at every squad on paper, there might be a couple of outstanding sides. But as is the way with most sport on the island, you, you, never, you very rarely get full, full strength sides every week. So um, it's, it's great to be able to turn up to Foots Lane on a Saturday and virtually any sort of Alliance Women's League game, you will, it's very hard to predict who's going to come out on top. And, and that's, that's the way it should be, really. Um, it's, it's, it's quite rare in Guernsey Sport to have that. You'll usually have sides who are uh, sort of more dominant than others. But it's, um, you know, it came down to the last couple of weeks of the season with 
sort of three sides, Panthers, Cubs and uh, Puffins, all in with a really good shout. And it was very hard to pick a winner. Um, but Panthers, like I say, are deserving winners. And, and it was very much sort of down to the momentum they built in the second half of the season. Yeah, it sounds like they've got a good blend of, of youth and experience. And on, on the youthful side, Molly Smith popped up with a hat-trick in that final game. Certainly one to watch. Yeah, she's she's uh, a class act, really. Um, she's she's still only in the Ireland under-16 ranks, I think. But she is a, she's already an Ireland um, interinsular player at, at senior level. And uh, she she's added a lot of firepower to the Panthers. So Panthers, to be fair, they, they've got um, players like Becky, the two Beckys, Becky McAllister and Becky Hamilton, who, who score regularly. And they're, um, uh, they they haven't been short of, of goal scorers, but just that added um, the added flair that Smith brings is is was pretty crucial, certainly to their performance in the second half last week. And uh, yeah, she she's um, one to watch out for for many years to come, I'm sure. Yeah, great to see. And it's pretty hot on the men's side as well in terms of the competition. I'm trying to keep my calculator in my pocket at all times because it it tends to change quite a lot. But um, Yobos took a took a, a four point lead in the in the table last week when they beat defending champions Indies 2-1 in a, in a real cracker. It was a really hard-fought, tight encounter um, with a couple of quality goals. I mean, Matt Stokes scored twice for, for Yobos, and including a, a drag flick, which was just... It just almost burst the net. It, he got it absolutely perfect. Um, Indies goal from Steve Waldron is just a, an absolute individual wonder goal. Um, the way Steve... He's got the stick work, which is very different to sort of what you'd perhaps consider smooth. And but he sort of tempts in defenders. He almost lets the ball just run a bit, and the defenders think they can get it. And then he'll always just get there ahead of them. And he beat about three or four men just before getting into the D, and then slammed it in the bottom corner in typical Steve Waldron fashion. So um, yeah, Indies will. They've still um, got some big games to come, so they're not out of the title race. Colombians have got a game in hand on the two above them now and they play Yobos this weekend. Um, actually, those two sides, because of the way fixtures have worked and I think because of COVID issues earlier in the season, they've still got to play each other three times. So um, there's still plenty more twists and turns left in the men's Division One title race. But uh, yeah, Yobos had that the win last week against Indies and like I say, with momentum, they've currently got the momentum. They've won, I think, six on the trot now. Um, and they've got a very strong spine to their side with um, with the two Stokes brothers and Will Thompson and Johnny Clark, who's probably the informed player at the moment. He's playing really, really well at the moment for Yobos. Um, and Tristan Cairns at the back came back last week and was another solid presence for them. So if I was to hedge my bets, probably I'd say Yobos are arguably in the, Well, they're in the driving seat now, but... I wouldn't be surprised if they got turned over yet once or twice this season because they've still got sort of five big games to come. Yeah, potentially a big finish to the, the hockey season in store. We've got interinces as well again uh, next month to look forward to. So, um, yeah, plenty going on down at, down at Guernsey Hockey Club. Um, we're going to talk a bit more about awards in part three, but I just want to mention um, someone who was uh, acknowledged at the Guernsey Sports Commission Awards uh, last week, someone who's given an awful lot to both hockey and cricket, and that's Mike Kinder, who was added to the uh, the coaching role of honour and, uh, as I say, presented um, or, or sort of um, acknowledged for that achievement um, at the Sports Commission Awards at Beausajour last Thursday. Um, yeah, I'm sure a very popular addition to that uh, very prestigious list. Oh, for sure. I mean... <laughs> 
thing with Mike is, um, if you mention almost any Guernsey sports man or woman who's got to any decent level, they've probably been coached by Mike Hinder <laughs> somewhere along the line. Um, he's certainly sort of, throughout my cricket career, he was sort of like my main coach. And uh, his sort of expertise and knowledge is just, it's, it's almost boundless. But he, he's one who's also been able to sort of like evolve over the years with, I remember once um, when I was uh, at college and he came in and he was, he'd just been to, away to a coaching course sort of thing. And he came back and he was just really enthused by the fact that he'd learnt new things. And I mean, this was sort of like 30 years into his coaching career, <laughs> but he came back telling us the sort of things he'd been finding out. And um, yeah, Mike, he, he just absolutely adores sport. I mean, that's, that's just, is Mike, Mike is just a sportsman through and through. He was a great cricketer in his day. He also, I think he played for the island at hockey as well, but um, yeah, he will, he will always be involved in that. And um, yeah, I think most Guernsey cricketers have certainly um, been under his tutelage at times. And um, he, it's very, very fitting that he's joined that, um, uh, that wall of honour or, or the coaching role of honour for the Guernsey Sports Commission. Yeah, an absolute legend and, and still going strong. I think we're going to be speaking to him um, for a, a big piece in the paper um, yeah, in, in the next week or two and we'll uh, make sure we get some audio from him. Uh, I mean, And he still yeah. looks exactly the same as ever. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't change. <laughs> no, he is uh, evergreen, yeah. isn't he? Evergreen. Um, yeah, well, congratulations to Mike um, on that honour. Um, yeah, we'll talk a bit more about um, all the awards that are being handed out at the moment in part three alongside some rugby too. Before we get on to the rugby, uh, yeah, let's just look at the, the two awards ceremonies very quickly. Last week, we had the Guernsey Sports Commission Awards. As we say, Mike Kinder uh, added to the coaching role of honour. It was Mayor Letizia who walked away with the, the top honour of the evening, the Sports Commission Trophy. The first time that's been presented in a couple of years. It was put on hold uh, last time because of the pandemic. So congratulations uh, to her. Uh, and tonight, uh, it's back to Beaujolais for the CI Sports Awards. Very much looking forward to a big evening um, there probably by the time most people listening to this um, we may already know who's won the main award it's Mayor Letizia, Alex Scott and Cameron Chalmers representing the Bailiwick up against uh, Chuggy Pershaw Jersey's cricket captain um, for the main award um, so yeah that should be uh, should be a, a big occasion um, lots to enjoy with that event returning for the first time in a couple of years right let's talk some rugby then before we close up and it was a fantastic weekend for Guernsey Raiders all round last week uh, the men turned it on at the right moment to beat Barnes 28-26 at Foots Lane while the women went to Beckerhamian and came away with a 30-19 win their first in the league since October albeit there have been plenty of postponements in that time as well so great stuff all round um, Gareth let's start at Foots Lane where you were a tight finish um, and as I say Guernsey kind of just producing when it mattered well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it ended up being a, a two-point win for, for Raiders. Um, having been 19 points down after about 25 minutes, it was uh, Barnes were thoroughly deserving of a, of a decent lead as well. They, they were the better side for the first half hour of the game. Um, fortunately, as I put to Jordan Reynolds afterwards, um, fortunately, Guernsey won sort of the next 50 minutes. Um, um, it was really, really important that, that um, Guernsey scored a try before half-time. They, they got that right at the, the depth of the first half through Doug Horrocks, who was yet again outstanding for, for the Raiders. And then um, after the break, they just carried on their momentum. And to be honest, they, it was a two-point win, but it, it was a deserved win. They were, um, they were the better side for the second half. Um, they did have a couple of sort of minor mistakes which gets punished in at this league that's the sort of typical nature of this 
this competition. Um, so they did fall behind again briefly in the second half, having got ahead. But um, yeah, they they did enough to win and get the bonus point as well. So it was it was a it was a typically close game between Raiders and Barnes. They're always very close. But um, I know Jordan Reynolds was very pleased to come out on top of that one. Yeah, it's been a bit of a stop-start season. Um, a few postponements with weather as well getting in the way. COVID, of course. But uh, fingers crossed. Touchwood, um, sort of coming out of that disruption now and kind of can look ahead with a bit of certainty to the rest of the season. Um, and yeah, as we've mentioned sort of time and time again, it is a pretty relentless schedule as they sort of uh, get into May. Um, yeah, I mean, how are they doing for sort of bodies and fitness? Well, the certainty they've got for the rest of the season, Tony, is they've got games every week, I think. So um, they know that much. Um, in terms of bodies, I think they're not too badly off. Um, they, they have rung some changes for this week's trip to Henley. Um, when Jordan told me the side, it was a case of, oh, are they missing through injuries? And he said, no, it's basically giving some people a rest because guys do need a rest. If you're playing at this level of rugby week in, week out, your body does um, take a, quite a pounding. So um, uh, Doug Horrocks and Owen Thomas are certainly sitting out this weekend. Um, it's not through injury. It is literally just to, to shuffle the pack and give them a bit of downtime. Um, but the options now in the Raiders squad are, are pretty good. So they're still fielding a good side away to Henley. They've got a couple of guys coming back. Kieran McGann, who was named on the bench last week, but that was always just more for cover. He wasn't likely to get um, game time last week, but he's back in the starting 15. Uh, Joe Anderson is back on the bench as well as Jacob Pinkney. So things are looking pretty good for the Raiders. It will be a tough game at Henley. They... Um, they came to Guernsey back in October, I think it was, and they lost by one point. It was a game where Dan Rice kicked a winning penalty with time having expired. So um, that was a very close game. Last week, Henley beat the then league leaders, Isha, quite convincingly as well. So they're obviously on a bit of a high at the moment. Um, but yeah, Guernsey, they've got games in hand on everyone, I think, in the league. Uh, they're currently eighth. If they were to win this weekend, they can go up to sixth. Um, so I, I think things are looking very good for Raiders as long as they can keep um, a decent proportion of bodies fit they, I think they can be pushing for that top six spot by the end of the season but yeah it's, uh, it's still a long haul to go for that and that would represent an amazing result really given obviously what happened last time they were in this division well exactly yeah I mean it, it does show how you need numbers at this level and, and good quality um, players throughout your squad and, and almost below as well Um yeah, last time in National 2, they were hit very hard by injuries early on and they never really recovered, although they did get some decent wins towards the end of that campaign. Um, but they spent the next season in um, what Jordan calls National 3. It's uh, London's South East sort of premier. They sort of spent that season knowing that they were likely to be promotion candidates and building up for their next um, attempt at National 2. And you can tell it's paid off. They've got um, more strength and depth now. Um, and the quality within the squad is is pretty impressive, um, certainly when they've missed a few key players. I mean, at the moment, they're going without Lewis Hillier, who's sort of like um, talismanic captain that Guernsey have got, and, um, and, and quite a few others sort of missing week in, week out. But they are managing to pull out decent results. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's another hard week away for them this weekend. But um, I think generally, as you say, the season is going as well as um, probably Jordan would have expected and probably better than I expected. So that, that's um, it's very promising, I think, for, for next season to hopefully even push on a bit further. Yeah, and they're back home in a couple of weeks, the 26th of February against Hinkley. Um, an earlier kickoff, that one, 145. So uh, mark your card. Um, 
As for the women, as we say, um, on the road, uh, a good win for them at Beckerhamian, 30-19. They'd lost a couple uh, this year, and and I think there have been four or five postponements um, over Christmas um, before those two defeats. So great for them to be... um, back enjoying their trips uh, and, and, and getting a great victory and, and, and yeah, hard-earned and well-deserved. Well, yeah, it was. And, and a bit unlike the, the Raiders men, they actually did it with a pretty small squad. I think they only had 16 players travel away um, last weekend. So that's a really good win for the ladies. Um, like you say, they, they were very unfortunate that they weren't able to build on the, the Siam Cup win. I mean, they, they won their Siam trophy really well. And then pretty much straight after that, they should have had another sort of three league games before Christmas, I think it was. And They've barely played because of because of the pandemic and those sort of reasons. So, um, yeah, if they can get a bit more momentum going um, in the in their last few league games and heading into another slam, hopefully in May, um, things are looking pretty good for the ladies. But they certainly had um, a really good win, and that was another come from behind win. So. Um, yeah, things are looking promising for them as well. Yeah, according to their fixtures, um, back at home as well, the same day as the men on the 26th of February, a week on Saturday. Um, no kickoff time for that, but um, yeah, sounds like it could be a doubleheader down at Foots Lane. So uh, something to look forward to there for sure. Right, well, that's just about it. Um, quick word on Guernsey FC, who are at home uh, on Saturday, two o'clock kickoff against Chipstead at Footslane. They've had five away games uh, in a row and they've got three more to come after this. So uh, yeah, a, a rare chance uh, in this little spell for uh, supporters to see them. Um, and they'll be looking to, to bounce back from that defeat on Wednesday night. Yeah, they, um, they, there was a decent performance actually at, uh, at Bedford Bedfont Sports. Um, they went down 3-1 in the end, but they were missing uh, several first-team regulars. Um, I do wonder, I haven't had the chance to speak to Tony Vance since, but I do wonder if a few of those regulars were perhaps being held back in in the knowledge that they actually have their one home game of the month coming up this weekend. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think um, they'll certainly look to make the most of it and it'd be great to have a big crowd down there to, to see the Green Lions against Chipstead. Yeah, absolutely. As you say, probably uh, yeah, maybe holding back those players in the hope of putting on a, a good show for the, the home support because the last time uh, they saw uh, GFC run out against Binfield, um, it was uh, very much a night to forget. But since then, um, yeah, a couple of fantastic results on the road. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing how they go on Saturday. Um, Cool. Okay. well, let's leave it there. We'll be back on Monday with plenty more football chat in our Monday football show. Uh, Back, of course, next Thursday as well um, with another sport podcast. Um, Do give us a follow on social media at GSY Press Sport on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram is the place to go. And of course, always pick up a paper Monday to Saturday for the very best local sports coverage. Uh, Gareth, cheers. Cheers, Tony. See you soon. (laughs) 